Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey everyone, Michelle here. I'm so excited to let you know about Freedom Model International Membership. Get support as you deprogram from the 12 steps and the shackles of addiction recovery. For a low monthly membership fee, you get the Freedom Model online program, which includes our books, our audiobooks, workbooks, and all the additional lessons. You also get the Freedom Model for the Family online program as well. You will get a live members-only two-hour question and answer webinar with Mark and myself the last Wednesday of every month. And each week, we're going to add a new video lesson. We call this the What We Learned This Week series. Lastly, we also have the Freedom Model International monthly newsletter, where we're going to tackle the current events and the latest research for you. All this for just $39.95 per month. You can stay a member for as long as you need, and you can suspend or cancel your subscription whenever you're ready. Go to online.thefreedommodel.org to sign up today. Hey, podcast listeners, here we are again for another Addiction Solution. So uh, my name is Mark Sheeran. This is Michelle Dunbar, uh, co-authors of The Freedom Model, along with Stephen Slate. Um, okay, so today we're going to go into a topic that is really fundamental for you to understand if you want to get past an addiction and move on with your life. It also will improve your life uh, dramatically uh, if you understand this. And um, overall, he means like everything about your life will get better. That's right. Sorry, I had a frog in my throat. <laughs> so um, what we're going to talk about is the difference between the mind, the human mind and the human brain and why that's so important for you to understand. And also how treatment views that topic. Um and it's actually a very weird way uh, and how culture tends to think about it and why all this is important. So first of all, if, uh, if you're sitting in the audience and you may be thinking, well, there is no difference between the brain and the mind. And if you thought that, you'd be amongst the common person that thinks that way. Uh, that's the the commonly held belief that your brain and mind are sort of one thing and uh, the, that the brain makes thought. And, uh, and, that, and why is this important when we're talking about addiction is because um, if your brain chemistry is altered, then that would alter your thoughts. And that's the common way that, that we describe the thinking process when it comes to addiction which is really the basis for the entire pharmaceutical industry getting involved in addiction now in quote unquote addiction medicine. 
And that is if we alter the brain's chemistry, we alter thought. And um, can I just, yeah, just to, to kind of bring it backwards a little bit, because we talk about this all the time. So we take for granted that people understand what we're talking about. And what we're talking about is there's these two kind of frames of thought. And that is that um, there's people that believe that we are basically puppets to our brain. Okay. Our so our brain chemistry. Our brain chemistry is what it was what creates our thoughts. It's what makes us act in certain ways. So basically, if that's the case, if you believe that, that's an all or nothing thing. That is one of those things where that means that you are just our chronic victim of this gelatinous mass inside your head that spouts off these chemicals then at willy nilly that there's no really rhyme or reason to it. And, and that you act in those ways. So you're a puppet. Yep. You know, the, the, the brain, your brain is your puppet master. Now, or, or let's go to this other side of thing. And that's what addiction believes, but our addiction treatment believes, by the way, is that your brain is your puppet master and that you are, they ironically believe that and then believe all these other strange yeah. religious things. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. really jive. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, but, or there's this other side of things, which we put forth. And that is that your mind is not the same thing as your brain. I don't know what it is. Right. But it's it's something that's that's the can't touch or feel. You know it's there. It's the essence of you. It's your thoughts. It's your right? thoughts. We all agree. We have to start on some common ground and knowledge here. We all agree that there's that we uh, think. That we think. That we choose, that we think, that we act in some way based on our thoughts. Yes. And so um why is this important? Because if you shoot heroin into your veins or you drink and drug heavily in any way, shape or form, that is a molecule that goes into your bloodstream, which affects brain chemistry. Yes. And then everything from the brain centered treatment industry perspective then says that the drug is now ruling your brain pharmacology, your brain uh, biology, and that you are going to get out of control and you can't help yourself that you're compelled to use based on this brain chemical change that's happened when right. you get high. So it's really important to know whether that's true or not. Right? Yeah, for sure. So there's some things that refute that right off the bat, which is why I yes. started to study the difference between the mind and the brain, which we'll get into in a minute. One of the first things was the fact that some of the largest studies show that over nine out of 10 people get over their problem no matter the severity of it, no matter whether they've been treated or not. And they, they move on from the, their drug or drinking habit, either by moderating successfully, uh, a large percentage of them do that. And then uh, the rest abstain for the rest of their lives. That's nine out of 10 people. So if the, and, and here's the irony, most of those people are making the change at the height of their quote unquote physical biologic addiction, meaning their brain is the most saturated with change from the drug at the time that they make the decision to change their life. Right. So, so you have this weird situation where 
the biology, the biologic argument, the argument that your brain is in control of this whole situation and that addiction is a brain disease goes out the window because everybody that basically has a changed brain from drugs stops. That's right. At the height of brain change, at the height of, of saturation of drugs. And we know this is true from the research, by the way. Yeah. And from working with people for 32 years, mm -hmm. right? And so, uh, so that sort of throws this whole idea that our, our brains get damaged and then compel us to use drugs uh, or alcohol in a loss of control way. Um, so, so that it's really important for you to know that it, it, in our book, we say brain changes be damned, right? It's a great line. Yeah, that's great. Line. It doesn't matter if your if your brain is is altered with drugs physically, because uh, somehow with a changed brain, virtually everybody quits or goes on to moderate successfully. Um, more than ninety one percent. 96% of heroin users, 99% of methamphetamine users, 98% of cocaine users. So that just, that takes the whole biologic argument and just tosses it right out the window. So I started to look at this and say, so what's, what's really happening here? And uh, do you have anything to add? No, go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to dominate. You're on a roll. Okay. <laughs> so in 1989, when I met Jerry Brown, Michelle's father, the original arch architect of the Freedom Model, he did an exercise that I've talked about on other podcasts, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it here again. He, he said, I want you to do something without thinking about doing it first. And I said, I don't understand what the assignment is. He said, I want you to actually phys physically pick up that bottle of water right in front of you or in that, in that, that day it was a cup of coffee. He said, pick up that cup of coffee, but you can't think about picking it up first. <laughs> and I thought, well, I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> You know, so he said for the next 24 hours, you have to at least do one act where you consciously, you don't think about it, but you do the act. And I said, well, Jerry, I, I don't think that's possible, but I'll try. So for the next 24 hours, I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. I said, okay, pick up that bottle of water. All right. Don't think about it. I'd be like, I can't, I can't, I, I can't do that. So I got together with Jerry the next day and he said to me, uh, I, I told him I failed the the assignment. And he said, no, you pass with flying colors. I needed you to know that your thoughts are everything and that you can't do a damn thing, including drink heavily without thinking about it and having a motive to do it in your mind. And that was the day that I started to realize, oh my gosh, I have this thing called a human mind. I get to think. And then I started doing research on that topic for 32 years. And I started to realize that there wasn't a single human being I'd ever met that could do something without thinking about doing it first. Now, the order is important because I had to think about it before I could physically do anything. And a brain is physical. So the brain is necessary for me to move my hand or to do whatever. Exactly. They're in, in, we know they're connected. There's, there's facts about the nerve endings and, and how, how our neurobiology works. So, so I have to think about something and then I am able to, with my brain, act upon it. So they must be two different things. And they're certainly symbiotic. They need each other. You know, the brain needs, needs thoughts. So what this means is that all of our drinking and drugging 
is motivated by what we believe in our mind. Now, what is a mind? Nobody knows. It's thoughts like Michelle said, right? Yeah, it's it's right. It's somewhere out here. You know, the thought bubble, right? <laughs> yeah. That's I always envision it that way. Yeah. So it's it's something that, I mean, different religions describe it differently, um, you know, but but the question is, now I, I can hear people challenging you or you have to think about doing things first. Like when something becomes habitual, then the processing time to do that thing is infinitesimal. It's, it's, it's so freaking fast that you may not realize when you, if you drive the same way to work every day and you have the same routine every single morning, you may not even remember thinking about doing the things you're doing. And, and that's because it doesn't go to long-term memory. So yeah. as we habituate things, certain processes of brain tissue are skipped. And when you're first learning something, your brain tissue will record the event, whether it's you're learning to walk. Because as you're learning to walk, for instance, when you're one or two years old, every step is a challenge. So what happens is this becomes recorded in the mind, or I'm sorry, in the brain, and, and experienced in the mind. And what happens is it's recorded so that you can access that information to get better at it. It's like when I learned to box and learned to throw the jab. I, I'm right-handed, so I threw a left jab, which is very awkward. Believe it or not, a jab is not a normal punch. So it took me thousands and thousands of times. Now I can tell you by the time I learned it, I wasn't thinking about it anymore. Right. I wasn't, but I, I was initiating the, the throw of the punch, but it was very fast and it didn't go to long-term memory anymore because it didn't need to. My, my mind and my brain knew, okay, we're going to initiate this thing that we've done 4,000, 40,000 times and we don't have to record it for later. So, because we're not learning anything new about it. It's, it's rote, it's done. The, the process of learning is finished. We've perfected this. Now, if I wanted to perfect it even more, maybe throw the absolute perfect jab, it, that process would be remembered. Now, mm -hmm. let's say, let's use another example. Let's say you're going, and, and we're going to parlay this into addiction here in a minute. Let's say you're driving to work. This is the common example I get all the time with the argument. And you go past the exit because you're not even paying attention to the road. Um, and you blow past your exit to get to work. And you're like, oh my God. Or... Uh, an even more common one is you've passed five exits that on your way to work and you don't even remember passing them because your head was somewhere else, right? That doesn't mean that you're not in control. Right. That doesn't mean that you didn't want to go to work and you just landed at work somehow, miraculously out of control. It doesn't mean that you're not involved. Your mind's not involved in that process. And it just means that it's become so... Driving in general. Driving in general and driving that route has become so incredibly habitual, habitualized, right? That that it doesn't go to long-term memory. Right. That's all. It just skips that part of the process. Now, we know that because if a deer jumps out at in, in the road, trust me, you're going to realize that you're driving. You know, you're not out of control. You're not a zombie. You're not simply driving haphazardly. These things are obviously, you're, you're still engaged in that process. It just isn't going to long-term memory. So when we get good at things, when we've made things habitual, they seem automatic 
only because we're very efficient at them. And that includes shooting drugs in our veins and drinking. Yep. Well, we get good at it. Yep. Our, our, we are habit forming creatures to make things more efficient and easy to do, like walking, like riding a bike, like driving, playing an instrument, learning a language, um, you know, literally everything we do, everything we do changes our brains. And, you know, and, and then things we unlearn change our brains. I mean, I, at one point in time could play violin and piano and um, guitar, and I haven't done it in many years. And it would, I would have to relearn these things. That's right. You know, so, so the same thing happens with substance use, the exact same thing. It doesn't mean we become drug taking zombies. That's the important part. You're still choosing. Yes. Yes. And there's still, there's still planning involved with all of this stuff. I mean, there's planning involved to get in your car and go to work every morning. You know, it doesn't just, you're, you're not just, you know, an, what did we call that? Atom, uh, automaton. <laughs> automaton. You know, you're, you're, you there's, there's things that happen in your mind, in your mind, That's right. you know, that, that make you, cause there are days that you get up and you decide you don't want to go to work. You make that decision. You think about it. You go, I'm not going to work today, you know? And, and so you, you're always, and you're, you're always not only in control of your actions, but you're always in control of your thoughts. And that's the part that's the toughest to teach. Yeah. Yeah. So why is this so important is because there are two different camps. One camp is that you're going to need a, uh, third party or external means by which to change your brain tissue and retrain your brain to then train your mind, which is backwards. Yep. Right. We've determined that that's backwards. Um, but that's the treatment model. The treatment model is you must rely upon the rooms of AA, the sponsor in AA or NA, the counselor and the treatment method, right? Which is external to your uh, to your internal life, your thinking life, your thinking apparatus, your mind. So you're waiting for something external to come to you and change you. If, change your brain. That's right. That's right. And so, and change your, and eventually change your thoughts, right? So right. it's external to the brain, to the mind. It's going to change. Now they don't even, they don't even talk about the mind. They, they, it doesn't even exist in their nope. model. So it's completely biochemical. You are this slave to circumstance, and therefore they are the masters of your circumstance. They are your leaders. They are your pastor. They are your priest. They are your everything. And so you need treatment to change your brain because you're a slave to the drug, which is another external means that they say changes you and then compels you to use. Now, Here's what's interesting about all these external things changing human beings. Um, when somebody finally decides to change their drinking or drug habit, they do it simply by saying, I'm done. I don't like this that much anymore. It's not worth it. Yeah, I'd be happier doing something else. And that has nothing to do with an AA meeting. It has nothing to do with a sponsor. That has to do with a thought. A thought and everybody in the audience right now, think about it. Think, think we're always using our mind, right? Even think about this concept. 
uh, you're sitting there and think about all the times that you've thought about drinking and drugging. That's what drove you to it yep. because you saw benefit in it. And the times you stopped were the times that you decided internally not to do that. There was no other means by which that can happen. There's no biochemical external thing. There's no pill. There's no naltrexone. There's no anabuse. There's no Vivitrol that's going to make you think and desire the drug less because desire isn't a biochemical thing. Desire, desiring a drug is based on how you frame the benefits of it. Yes. In your mind, not in your brain tissue. Here's what's wild about this. When you change your mind, you change your brain. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. The thought creates the chemical. Yeah. So, and, and, and there's a lot of research now that knows that this is true. And so here's what matters. What matters is what you believe because your brain is a slave to what you believe. Yes. It, a brain doesn't think. It doesn't feel. It doesn't experience. It doesn't do anything but process like a hard drive in a computer that which is given to it by the mind. It's and part of the meat suit. Yeah, part of the meat <laughs> suit, right? It's physical. It's physical. But the mind is metaphysical. It's beyond the physical. That's what that means in Latin. So so you have you have this miraculous thing called the mind that runs the show and you get to think whatever you want to think about anything. You are your mind. That's right. You are your mind. Because let's face it, shut off all your thoughts right now. Act as if thought doesn't exist. I want you to sit there and I want you to think about this. Okay, I have no thoughts. What happens? You literally shut off. Mm -hmm. Your body would just slump and you would be brain dead. Now, really what you are is mind dead. Mm -hmm. That's a better, more accurate term. So what's driving your desires is the way you frame things internally based on your beliefs, based on the information you've been given, and based on the massive misinformation you've been given. You've been playing a charade, waiting for external means to change you. You've gone to rehabs maybe. You've gone to a psychiatrist. You're taking all these medications to try and alter your brain patterns so that that will somehow change your mood. Um, and which is really no different than what you've been doing with heroin or alcohol or pot or cocaine, which has fallen flat for you. So why do you believe that another pill is going to change it? I mean, you can go down the repertoire of all the drugs and eventually what's going to happen is you're going to realize that the problem is in your mind. Your beliefs, your desires, it's the way you frame things, the way you look at yourself. I mean, right. all of these things, I mean, we talk about all of these things in the book and look at, you can go down that road of looking for a like biochemical reasons within yourself that you are still struggling. And what you're really doing is you're, you're convincing yourself that you're not in control. Yeah. That's all that is, is you convincing yourself that, that you're a victim of this. And, and that means you're always going to struggle. Yeah. If you, all you have to do, you don't have to, to believe fully that everything that we're saying, all you have to do is open your mind to that possibility that what if I'm wrong? What if all of these things I've been taught in my treatment, in my counseling, what if all of these things are wrong? And maybe this will be a little bit helpful for you. 
So Mark went through that whole thing talking about um, all these outside things that are supposed to change us, right? Yeah. So I want you to imagine you're going to AA meetings, which some people don't have to imagine that because they're doing it. So all these other people that are victims of their broken brains, you're supposed to listen to them tell you because you can't trust your broken brain. Does that make sense? Right. Right. We used to call that the blind leading the blind. I mean, it makes no, and even in treatment programs that you go to, many of the people that are your counselors are in recovery. So here we are again, we've got people with broken brains trying to help you because you can't trust your broken brain. Okay. So it's this cycle at some point we have to admit, wait a minute, maybe, maybe this is all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm not broken. Number one, I'm not broken at all. There's nothing wrong in my brain. Nothing wrong with my brain. I really liked getting high for a while. I really liked it more than anything in the world. I don't like it as much now. I'm still feeling pretty drawn to it because it's easy. It's a quick and easy way to feel good. I believe it still holds these benefits for me. And so when I get a case of the fuckets, I go to that thing that's quick and easy for me. But what if, what if I, it's not that great anymore? What if it doesn't do for me what I want it to do? Right. And what if, what if we could show you, what if we could prove to you with information that there's a better way to think about this, to frame yes. it that's more factual, that's yep. more correct, that's not based in external means of control and being controlled? And fantasy and magic. Yeah. And yeah. Do you really want to listen to some voodoo magic from an AA room just where they just keep telling you, keep coming back, keep coming back, let yeah. go and let God. Yeah. Don't think, don't drink. I mean, I, you know, we make light of this stuff in some of the podcasts, but I want to be really precise today because if you don't understand that you are miraculous, that you're, you have this thing called a mind that is free to think whatever you want to think that you have free will, you're going to struggle horribly yeah. and needlessly. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to because the apparatus for you to make decisions, better decisions and different decisions, better decisions for you um, is inside of you. Yeah, it already it, exists. Yeah. It's been there all along. Yeah. It's just it's been marginalized. By the way, if you hear the cars going by, we have the windows open. And yeah, I, it's just, actually a nice day today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you might hear some background noise. Um, so, so stop taking and putting your future and your happiness in other people's or other methods hands and and stop making the solution out there somewhere and and stop making the solution a biochemical thing in in the meat suit in the body because that's not where the answer lies the answer lies in your own mind and what you believe about yourself and if you believe that you can move past the problem to begin with, if you don't believe that you need the freedom model, because we spent you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages showing people how uh, to undo the lies that you've been sold in our culture. So we also have the freedom model online program. We have uh, a membership that you can join. And in that we have all 85 video tutorials on all this uh, information. So, um, you don't have to guess at this anymore. The research has all been done for you. 
And I wanted to talk a little bit. Last week, we did our first Freedom Model International um, members only question and answer. It was awesome. It was amazing. We actually, it was two hours and we had uh, two people that were, we did basically did full classes with them. Um, that is now up on Freedom Model International, so you can listen to it. And um, I mean, it's it's it'll show you exactly how we help people when we teach them one on one in private instruction, or when they come to the retreat, and how we sit and talk about these concepts in the Freedom Model, and and help people to figure out how they can apply it in their own lives, so they can make that change, that conscious preference change, um, which. Sometimes when you're by yourself and you're trying to do it on your own, it feels impossible. It feels like you're always going to believe in the magic. It feels like you're always going to want to do this thing. It feels like you. a lot of people don't believe they can be happier without it. That's, they, a, that's a great point. You know, so, so yeah, it's sometimes you need to bounce things off of someone to be able to, to open your mind to the possibility that, yeah, I, I might, I, I think I can be happy without this. So, so we use a, um, an analogy that I talked about a couple of podcasts ago, but I want to repeat it here. So people have what's called a, a binge construct or a drinking or drugging co construct in their mind. Basically it's, it's all your ideas are wrapped up in a, in a certain framework in your mind. You, you believe drugs have su supernatural powers. You believe that maybe you're biochemically driven. They're all the things we're talking about, right? So you have this set of beliefs and it's like a disco ball. And if you ever looked at a shiny disco ball with the light on it, it's little square windows of glass or plastic, shiny plastic. And then you shine light off it and it reflects and it's very bright. Um, but it's constructed of very small squares. And when you have, I liken those squares to myths, you have addiction mm. and recovery myths. Yep. And you have this construct, this beautiful beaming lit up bright, object in your mind called addiction and recovery, right? It's, it's all these beliefs. And what the freedom model does and what the lessons do and people, how they learn it is we take each one of those beliefs, each one of those squares in the disco ball and we pluck them or we shatter each one. And eventually the, the integrity of the disco ball starts to fall apart. Your binge construct, your desire for alcohol and drugs at heavy usage levels starts to shake and fall apart. And all you need to have that happen is the truth. Yes. Don't be afraid of the truth. I got to tell you, if you're sitting around and you're going to AA mindlessly and you're doing, you're, you're like baking the cake of recovery and you're incorporating mm. all these processes in your life and you, you got a Milo, I call it of, you know, that's what they always say on, <laughs> on the, on treatment websites, a Milo of counseling and, you know, and all that means is that you have a bunch of shit that you're doing that's mindless and you don't know why you're doing it and it's not helping. If you're in that position then maybe a better thing to do is to challenge that construct, that disco yes. ball in your mind, pluck it apart. And we know how to do that because we did it ourselves and we've done it with over 25,000 people. So don't, it's super affordable. Don't waste time, you know, going to another therapy session that you've gone to for eight years and wondering why your drinking is getting worse. Don't be one of those people. You don't have to do that anymore. You know, so no, and for us walking out of that was was kind of a long and painful process because we were was. we were helping people, we were doing the research, 
um, and, and figured it out and we had figured it out. And so now it doesn't have to be hard for people anymore because we did it. You know, we did it, we wrote it down and, and we want everyone to, to know that they're not broken. You're not broken and you're not a bad person because you, you liked getting high or drunk for a while. Um, that doesn't make you evil or immoral or spiritually bankrupt or any of that nonsense. That's all nonsense. Yes, that is. That's all folklore and voodoo medicine right there. Um, what you are is a person making the best choices, you know, how to make given the right or given the circumstances that you find yourself in with the beliefs that you're holding. Exactly. Exactly. We, we have such a love hate relationship in this country with alcohol and drugs. It's, it's, it's complete. Um, most of it is, is, is total nonsense. Hysteria. It's absolute hysteria. So, you know, the drugs are neither good nor bad. Alcohol is neither good nor bad. They have these certain things that they do and, but they, they're not the angel. They're not the devil. And they're not in your mind. No. Alcohol and drugs are a molecule. They're a physical thing. And that physical thing doesn't change your mind for you. That's right. It and, doesn't. Yeah. And I was just going to say, anybody that's been on antidepressants for any length of time um, knows that an antidepressant on its own isn't going to make go, make you go from being sad to happy. Yeah. That happens in your mind. That's right. And, and that's why... You know, antidepressants didn't perform better than active placebo in clinical trials. They just didn't. Yeah. Um, but placebo effect is very, very powerful. Yeah. And which is why people have a belief. Here's what happens. Um, we, we see people in our group all the time that go from being um, abstinent for a while and then they're going back and forth and they do the freedom model for a while and it's very exciting to them, but then they have a night where they drink too much and now they've just reinforced, they think, oh, see, I'm not somebody that can drink like other people. And, and no, what you did was you already had a belief system going in that you couldn't control alcohol, that it has these magical, wonderful powers to fix your problems and make you happy for a minute. And it has these horrible, evil powers to enslave you. And it has neither. It has neither, but you just reinforced both of them. That's right. Okay. And, and so that's how powerful placebo effect is. That's right. In so your beliefs. That's, okay. That's right. So when you feel that, that physical sensation, you imbue it with all kinds of beliefs and magic. And we have to undo that magic. All of it. And, and now you're not going to really understand what I'm talking about with the magic if you're just joining in for the first time. There's tons of podcasts about what we're talking about. Go through a lot of the podcasts, the YouTube channel. Um, and then if you want to know more, obviously, we have the, the, the membership. And as, as parting words, you, you'll get habitual thoughts, right? As you're stopping doing drinking heavily or using drugs heavily or whatever, yep. you get these habitual thoughts and based on your beliefs and the, what you've always thought about it, run the experiment and change your mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just be like, that's bullshit. The thing I'm thinking that's bullshit. Yeah. It's not true. I'm going to be happier choosing to be abstinent, you know, at the, in this moment than I will be going back to, to the bullshit that I believe. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, you, I'm trying not i mean look at i'm not saying that this isn't we're not saying that this is easy for people but it it, it, becomes, it can be a lot easier than you think yeah it becomes easy when you get rid of the mythology yeah people ask me all the time and and let's end with this so 
I don't struggle at all. And I used to struggle horribly, horribly for years. Yep. And so did Michelle. So what's the difference? What happened in my life was that I found the truth that the answer was me all along. Now that sounds so almost cliched out of some bullshit movie. So I want you to get a free copy of the Freedom Model. Go to thefreedommodel.org. Yep. And then go to our books tab and then download a free copy of the Freedom Model for Addictions. Use uh, coupon code FREEDOM100 or buy a copy or whatever you want to do. And um, and then read it. Yeah. Or we have the audiobook. The audiobook is oh, available in the Freedom Model for Addictions. You can get it on Audible. You can get it down get a digital download of it and buy it on our site. Um, you know, a lot of people prefer audiobooks yeah, it's now. It's super cheap. I think mm-hmm. I've I don't know how much it is. It's it's cheap. Yeah, very, very affordable. Yep. Um, and don't forget about Freedom Model International, where for a monthly subscription of $39.95, you can have access to all of this, to the Freedom Model for Addictions online program. Which is all the videos of me and Michelle teaching you all the concepts. I yep. think there's over 60 videos in that alone. Yep. And the mind and the brain lesson, watch it because that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. I do it on a whiteboard too. And I, I go through the mechanics of it. Yeah. So it's a really, great lesson. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like 15 minutes long. It's a great lesson. Um, The freedom model for the family. So if you have, you know, someone in your life that's like, ah, don't leave AA, they can do, watch. There's 12 video lessons in the freedom model for the family. They're a little bit longer, very comprehensive. They're geared towards the family member. Um, you, we also have five seminars on the history of AA history and of why AA. nobody should go to AA. Yep. And I give all the facts and the history from AA's own words, from Bill Wilson's own words. And I go through their financials and all the details about that, that cult. Yep. And we also do a new lesson is put up every single week, a very like, like my quick lessons that I used to do, a, a, like a, a short lesson. What have we learned this week? Um, each of our certified instructors, including Mark and I, um, you know, we, we rotate. So about, but so each week it'll be somebody different. So you're not listening to the same people all the time. And then we have, of course, the members only Q and a live Q and a fantastic. So fun. And, uh, we'll do a class with you. Yep. And our, our next one is the last Wednesday of May. Um, I can't remember what date the date is. I think it's like the 25th or something um, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. And if you can't make it to that and you're a member, um, you know, you can get it in the archive. You can you can listen to it. You don't have to be there live. Um, and yeah, just just go on to the membership, go into that thing and it will be there for you into the. Uh, live question and answer in, in the membership. And then the last thing we have is a newsletter. We just got our first newsletter out last week. Yeah, and some good articles in there. Really great. You can meet our instructors, two of our instructors. Um, I have a welcome for you. And then we have a great article from Stephen Slate. From it was from a couple years ago. I made sure it was updated, uh, but it's it's a very long article. Um, it's it's really great. So. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. And uh, if you want a membership, go to online.thefreedommodel.org and sign up. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Bye.